I was talking to my, uh, my younger son about two weeks ago, and he said, he said, Dad, if I buy you some new kicks, would you wear them when you preach? I'm like, what are kicks? You know, if I buy you some new shoes, and I'm like, so you'd think I'd preach better if I wore some tennis shoes? Well, obviously, he, he was actually pretty serious, and I just said, you know, I am what I am what I am, you know? Anyway, we're going to pray. We're going to get into the Word. I'm excited this morning. Jesus, help me to communicate. Help me to teach. Help me to release what You have for Your people. We thank You for transformation. We thank You for those that are online with us, God, that they just they just, uh, just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, the washing of the Word, the transformation, the hope that You want to, to bring to Your people. We just give You this time in the name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Can we just give it up one more time for the Lord this morning, for Jesus? <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you something that we were created, you and I have been created for freedom. Uh, and, and really, we operate best in freedom, and there are timeless strategies that come against that freedom. So, we've been preaching this series entitled Giants Must Fall that we started a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And I, I, you know, I just look up how many of you like random, just I like random factoids. I like to just kind of look at stuff. And I saw, I was looking up some. Um, I came across some phobias, some phobias, because we had been preaching. The first series was about fear and anxiety. So, phobias and a phobia is a is an irrational fear that's unlikely to cause harm. And the word itself comes from the Greek word phobos, which means fear of horror. So, here's a few phobias, and this is kind of crazy. But for example, there's acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Okay, some people have the fear of heights. That's okay, I get that. There's this. Aerophobia, which is the fear of flying. There's this arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. Right? You're changing something. What am I doing? Oh, see, I am, they are so good. Listen, if you want to give text DOE, D O E, to 8431, if you want to bless this young, amazing minister. Amen? So, Phobias, this is crazy. Okay, there's the astrophobia, which is the fear of thunder and lightning. There's autophobia, which is the fear of being alone. Claustrophobia, we all know that one. Fear of being confined to crowded spaces. Um, hemophobia, fear of blood. Hydrophobia, fear of water. Um, zoophobia, fear of animals. And there's some pretty, like some really weird ones too. There's a... a Sin Genesi phobia, which is the fear of relatives. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hands going up all over the place. Like, that me, Pastor, that's me. Right? Are you kidding me? Or there's this papaphobia, fear of the Pope. Or there's um, xanthophobia, which is fear of yellow. Or there's linonophobia, which is fear of string. Or this one gets me right here. It's, it's got uh, xemophobia, which is fear of the great mole rat. Oh, God. Get the worship team back up here, man. This is just like creepy. Or there's this arach, 
Gebutrophobia, which is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of one's mouth. I'm telling you, it's real. I found it on, you know, the internet. But I actually copied a list of phobias, and there's about four pages of them. And to be honest, although some of them are, are funny, they're real to a lot of people. And I'm grieved at how many giants we have in our culture. I'm grieved at how many giants we have in our culture. Giants that interrupt, giants that intrude, giants that distract, giants that are devastating, giants that people have to deal with all the time, giants that people have to get other people to help them with, giants that we have to medicate, giants that we have to placate, giants that we just have to... Listen, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's amazing what happens and what's happening on. And, 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 and what we have to understand is if you and I are in Christ as a follower, we have a giant slayer living in us. And if you are in Jesus, Jesus is in you. You know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, he's not, he's not afraid. Giants stand before you and your purpose and your future and your dreams. So we opened a couple weeks ago with the giant of fear and anxiety. And there's a giant of busyness. There's a giant of rejection, of shame, of blame. There are a lot of giants that are unmistakable. You know, Goliath could not hide in a phone booth. A lot of them, you can see them and you can identify them. Amen? You recognize them when you see them. So, okay, I see that. I see that fear. I see that anxiety. I see that rejection. I see that shame. I see that... Con- you know, condemnation can be a giant. But there's a giant that starts out small really small and it's disguised it's a subtle enemy this giant has the appearance of a justifiable response to a traumatic or disappointing event and it starts below the surface and then it's demonically motivated and sustained it's like getting a wound and then you get a bacterial infection that is able to enter. That's what this giant does. And it's the giant of bitterness. It's the giant of bitterness. In Hebrews 12, 14-15, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness Springing up costs trouble, and by this many become defiled. See, bitter people are destructive to themselves. Bitter people are destructive to themselves. The latest research gives credence between the state of mind and health. It's a recent study from Concordia University that has found constant bitterness makes a person ill. Holding on to bitterness affects your metabolism, your immune response, organ function, leads to physical disease. Science is actually matching up with what the Bible says is a, is a terrible giant. And bitter people are also destructive to others. Not only to themselves, but they're destructive to others. Holding on to bitterness or being destructive to others. Psalm 64.3 says, "...who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows." Bitter words. How many of you just love bitter words? 
And you just can feel a man. Bitter words can penetrate, penetrate like no other words out there. In James 3.10 and 11, it says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth both fresh water and bitter from the same opening? There's something that we are capable of, and that is this giant that starts out suddenly and then grows into something that's just a disaster. Bitterness is a destroying giant of relationship. Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. I've had to deal with more marital counseling over years of ministry that just comes from bitterness that happens in, in just a marriage relationship. Robbie and I are going to attempt to show you this illustration. This is the first time that we've done this live. So um, you might we're just going to work through it. Hey, would you bring me like my favorite cup up here? Oh. That was my favorite cup. It's like an elk on that cup. I, I forgive you. I, 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 I forgive you. I forgive you. No, it's okay. It's okay. Just, just, just. It's it's good. It's good. It's good. I I, I need to continue to preach, honey. It's okay. That didn't work out well, did it? Here's what we do. I took a picture of that. She said, hmm. She said, please forgive me. I'm sorry, but man, I, I took a picture of that and it was a good picture. And then what happens is that this is how bitterness works. I store this thing up. And then, and then here's what happens is that we go, Hey, bro, I, w- I want to share a picture with you. I, I want to share a picture with you. And even though maybe we've said the words, but there's still something that's actually... It, it started out small. A lot of this stuff starts out small. It's not that it doesn't have a trauma. It doesn't have an event. It doesn't have something that's significant. But what happens is what, how we deal with it. And if, if we look at this, there's a song that says, I tried to hold your hand, but you'd rather hold a grudge. See, bitterness wants you to make room in the same heart for the past hurts and the future failings. Bitterness just like creates its own little room. It's like how many of you have like, you know, you've done an add-on to your house. You got plans, you got dreams, you're like, man, I want to do an addition right here. I tell you what, this is what the enemy does. He says, I got an addition for you. It's bitterness. And then you have a room and you decorate it. 
with all of the little events that happen in your life, all the little interchanges, all the relational stuff. And I'm not saying that some of this stuff isn't real. It is real. People hurt people. Broken people hurt people. We hurt each other. The greatest thing about walking together is relationship. The worst thing sometimes is relationship. And we store it away. The word root is important. The root of bitterness acts like an anchor. And it anchors you to an event. It anchors you to a word. It anchors you to an unkindness. It anchors you to a betrayal. It anchors you to a rejection. And, and the enemy is so good, it's like, hey, why don't you just pull that out and kind of like, ooh, look at that picture again. And it destroys relationships. Because what it does is there will be a certain point in time when you pull that out, and even with people that you love dearly, you'll go, i got a picture I want to share with you. Remember that cup? That's how bitterness starts. So, it can start with a legitimate trauma, rejection, a breaking of relational covenant. It can also start with something that you had no control over and start with small things. It can start with small things. Unmet expectations always lead to disappointment. I didn't get the job. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get to start. I didn't make the team. She didn't look at me. He didn't say hi to me. I didn't win the race. And what are the telltale signs? Anger. Hopelessness. Unforgiveness. Gossip. We replay the events in our mind. We retell the story over and over again to different people. That's how you can tell if you've got some bitterness in you. If you've had this hurt and you just feel like, hey, you know what? You're really special to me. Can I just tell you? Can my giant of bitterness partner with your giant of gossip? That's how it works. And the enemy's just like, got him. Got him. Built an addition. Oh, they are decorating it. They not only have one bitter thing, but they got a they got a whole storehouse full of bitterness. We hear a person's name and it triggers a physical reaction or an emotion. John, fill in the blank. We enlist support because you know even bitterness likes relationship. Bitter buddies. The brother of the bitterness. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of trying to make it a little funny, but it's actually super, super serious because the body of Christ is afflicted with it. It's it's systemic. It's absolutely systemic. It's a giant. And the roots of bitterness are always relational. They have to do with people and not objects. Remember that door that you ran into? You're not bitter about that door. You don't walk by that door. 
freaking door. You know what I'm saying? That rock you stubbed your foot on, every time you walk about that rock, you don't have like this emotional trigger. It's like stinking rock. It's about people. See, bitterness is one of the biggest destroyers of relationship that the enemy has ever devised. Wow. And if you think about this, bitterness seeps into everything, into your conversations, into your thoughts. And if you think about the function of roots, see, their roots are the primary source for growth below the surface, and a root of bitterness is constantly feeding and defiling. It's been said this, bitterness imprisons life, love releases it. Bitterness paralyzes life, love empowers it. Bitterness sours life, love sweetens it. Bitterness sickens life, and love heals it. Bitterness blinds life, and love anoints its eyes. Bitterness is a giant disguised as hurt. That's why it feels like, yeah, but I'm really hurt. Yes, you are. But we're not called to be rooted in bitterness, but rooted in Christ. And see, the importance of this giant falling is so great that it not only mentioned it in the passage of Hebrews that we read, but also in Ephesians. And mind you, Paul is writing this to the church. He's not writing this to a bunch of people that don't know Jesus. He's not writing this to people out in the world. He's actually writing this letter to the church. And he says this, let all bitterness, somebody say bitterness. Let all bitterness, you know we like bitter stuff? I mean, like in the natural. I was preaching on this one time a number of years ago. And I, and I asked, I, I probably should have done it this morning just to see, but it worked out so perfectly. But I asked somebody, have you ever had like, um, a, a, who hasn't had sour gummy worms? And I had like three people do this. I was like, come up here. Never had it. Here, I want you to have one of these things. In the first one he ate, it was like his face all screwed up. It was like, you know, bitter brother face. Right? And then I gave him a second one. And the second one was a little better. And by the third one, he actually said, you know, he said, I kind of like this. I kind of like this. Because that's how seductive bitterness is. It feels like you're justified. I got a right. I got a right to be mad. I got a right to be angry. Somebody did me wrong. And you know what? Somebody probably did. But that's not the point. The point is we have to walk through this. But what do we do? Pull it out when the opportune time is right. There's, there's a little some, something happening in the relationship, and guess what? I'm just going to whip that out and go, hey, hey, hey. You know what I need to do? I need to go to that thing, and I need to actually put it in the trash. Yeah. Delete. So Paul writes, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So first of all, you got to make some decisions to put some things away. You have to decide to put some things away. You can't wait until I just emotionally feel really good today. I feel like I can do this emotionally because your emotions will be up and your emotions will be down. 
And there's times when you'll feel like doing it because your emotions are up. And then the next day something happens and your emotions are down. You cannot make that decision based on your emotional status. You have to make that decision based on a biblical principle. And it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. And then it says, and be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You make the decision to put some things away. So how can I put away bitterness? First of all, you declare it before you feel it. You have to declare it before you feel it. You have to realize, okay, this is something I find myself retelling the story. I find myself gathering allies. I find myself that, you know, five, six, I've had to walk through this stuff. Eight, 10, 15 years later, you find yourself telling the same story to a new audience. You realize, man, there's, God, there's something here that it's not right. The second thing is you recognize it's a giant, although it's felt like justification. It feels like I'm justified, but that's a giant, and he's just dressed up as justification. And the third thing is you bury that thing. You bury that thing. You bury it and you cover it up with kindness. Uh, come on, dig the biggest hole you can think of and you take that giant. Because you know what? That giant, I mean, for, for some of you, maybe that, that giant's just like a little giant. And maybe for some of you, you feel like, well, that's the gentle giant. But it's a giant. For some of you, that little giant, that gentle giant grew up, got muscles, and has hair on his chest. He's been working out, man. He's, he's been doing some roids. I mean, he's yoked. And you got to dig a big hole because you realize this is... Listen, if you're not careful, that bitter giant will define your life. That will, he, he seeks to become your identity. And pretty soon it's not in disguise anymore. Every time you, you, you're basically around people and they can see it and they'll go, wow, man, that's, a, that's a better person. That's a better person. Dig a hole. Bury it. Bury it with kindness. Recognizing that every sin you committed, every thought, every action, every word, every agenda, every judgmental thing you've thought about somebody, every evil speaking that you've done for somebody, Jesus forgave you. Wow. That's how I defeat that giant. And Jesus forgives us and He's not bitter towards us. Jesus isn't Remember how you were? Just in case. You're not behaving good. Let me pull this out. And there's the times when, when I think back and I think, God, thank You for rescuing me. Thank You for pulling me out of the pit. Thank You for redeeming me. Setting my feet on solid ground. I mean, there's, there's things like, yeah, we do this, but, but if you've been forgiven greatly, you can forgive greatly. Because you've been forgiven much, you can love much. Hebrews speaks of this looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. And I'm telling you, there's the antidote. The antidote. Grace is the antidote for bitterness. The more that we lean into grace, 
the grace of God through Jesus, the more that the giant of bitterness is buried. You and I were created for freedom. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm telling you what, I, I, I don't I don't think if we could truly walk in the freedom that Jesus has actually called us to and provided for us, I think some of us would be almost unrecognizable. Because I'm telling you what, when you're walking in captivity, you don't walk the way that you're called. The Bible says, There is that now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Man, I'm telling you what, I want to see people free. I want to see them free from the giants of fear, anxiety. I want to see them free from like weird phobias that take up five pages and people have to go to medical school to actually learn how to treat this junk. This is not what we're called to do. This is not who we're called to be. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of... You need to declare that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord, man, I'm free. Okay, I'm going to start declaring that before I feel it. And then when I feel it, I'm going to declare it anymore. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. The giant of bitterness must fall today. It starts first with a declaration. It starts with a declaration and with the acknowledgement. Bitterness takes on an identity and it's not who you are. Come on, how many, how many today could say, okay, pastor, how many online could say, I keep telling that story. Okay, I realize there's the giant. I keep pulling out the evidence. I keep trying to gain our lives. But I need to be free of this thing because it's actually making my heart sick. We, we don't operate that way. It's not who we're called to be. I just believe that God wants to set some people free today. Can I, can I, just, can I just pray for a short message today? But I'm telling you, I believe that this is what God wanted me to do. Lord, right now, I just pray. Can we just get in an attitude of prayer? Can I get a, um, can, uh, Ruth, can I get a microphone for, for dope? We've got some time here this morning, and I just feel like I want to pray right now. If, if, if the word, the message this morning is identifying something with you, maybe you've tried to. Maybe that giant has been so good at disguising, but now I'm telling you what he's revealed. You realize, man, oh, I got some stuff. I really, let's get into an attitude of prayer. Jesus, I just pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you speak to every person in this room. Every person that's joining us, viewing, God, we just quiet our heart. I just pray right now. I believe there's a giant killer in the room. And it's Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
if you're here today and you're saying, man, huh, wow, I've got some, I've got some giants. I got the giant of bitterness. If that's you, I just want you to kind of respond. Just, just, just give me a wave. Nobody else is looking around but me. Just say, hey man, today I want to just, I want to be released. I want that giant dead. I, I, I'm, I'm better. Thank you. Thank you. I want that giant dead. I'm burying a hole right now. And, and I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to bury it with kindness. I'm going to bury it with goodness. I'm going to bury it with peace. If anything, be a just, true, good report. I'm going to think about these things. I, 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 I'm going to walk away because I want to be a free person. And I pray for people all over the room. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He's, he's free. You're free. If you're this, here this morning and, and maybe you've come in and you've never, you've never given your life to this Jesus, can I just tell you this? Freedom, actually we think so many times that freedom starts with fighting, but freedom in Christ starts with surrender. Because Jesus already did the war for you. And if you're here and maybe you're feeling like, man, I, I don't know this Jesus, but man, I'm feeling something I've never felt before. I'm telling you, it's the invitation of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus saying, come to me, all you are heavy laden and weary. Cast your yoke on me. Take your yoke upon me. If you've never surrendered your heart, your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's so simple just to do it. We like to do it by asking you to make a, a declaration of faith. I, I want to agree with you. So I'm, I'm watching. And God's watching. But if that's you this morning, you're saying, I want to give my life to this, to this Savior this morning. I want you to just raise your, raise your hand. Just wave at me. And just let me agree with you right where you're set. You're saying, today's the day, man. I'm taking that step of faith. And I'm going to give my life to this Jesus. Is there anyone in the room this morning is there anyone online you can text? You can text uh, to HOTL to 97000 if you're online and you're just joining. You're just feeling like, man, I just want, I want to walk with Jesus. Father, we're just so grateful. We're so grateful. Let's go. Free indeed. In your presence we remain whole. In your presence we remain clean. In your presence we are free. y'all respond. Come on, let's just respond. To so wash me in your cleansing blood. Wash me in your cleansing blood. Oh, me in the river. I want to be clean. I want to be clean. 
powerful ways we see it in this passage I know that you can't do this with every person or every situation but one of the most incredible ways to overcome bitterness is to do this I'm sorry love you. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen.